Uh, and then, and then yeah. he turns to Darkseid and says, "A little too salty for you, yeah. Mister Cracklefaced." <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly, the most uh, faithful uh, adaptation of the DC comics. Oh, it was beautiful. I mean, every seen. every true fan knows that Darkseid prefers his popcorn sweet. Yeah. So you know, it was it was quite funny that Superman was like, "If I give him the wrong one," <laughs> it was my favorite scene. Them to pull plot lines from Jimmy Olsen, Superman's pal. Oh, especially since they've you know unceremoniously killed off jimmy olsen in batman v superman but yeah but then obviously go. that that younger uh uh black hispanic jimmy olsen got bitten by the same uh yeah. shutterbug and and then he drew all the other jimmy olsons from the jimmy olsen verse and they and they taught him <laughs> to be the best jimmy olsen yeah just yeah. like just like the uh the comic book olsen verse um like my movie. My movie. The Creeping Olsen Kid. Um... <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi. No, we've not seen Justice League. Shut up. Welcome I, to I, Big Damn um... Cast. Well. Well. Nerdy news, geeky gossip, stuff that's fit to fill your time. Because, I mean, it's all we do nowadays, well, isn't it? Fill time. Do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here to distract you for a couple of hours a week. Uh, minimum. Just a couple. Average. Uh, and uh, this week we are not talking about the Justice League, or aka Zack Snyder's Justice League, because A, um, it's not out as we record. We're recording this ahead of time on Sunday, the yeah. 14th. Um, and B, uh, we're getting paid for that shit week one. Are you yeah. kidding me? So the, it's the, <laughs> uh, the, the UK release was announced a few days ago, mm-hmm. and it's going to be free to air, free to view for Sky Cinema and or Now TV subscribers. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm paying for oh, that. I'm on Now TV. Does that mean I can watch it? It's like, no, you need to have the Sky Movies package. Yeah, you need the, the Now movies. TV Movies package. And I'm like, nah, I just got the basic because I use it for the TV. So mm. no rush. Um, which is interesting because they did say when they uh, first put out that it was coming out outside, you know, where how it was going to be released outside of American territories a few weeks back, about a month ago. They said that it would be, you know, there'd be on-demand streaming options uh, announced nearer the time, and that it would be on home media within a shorter window than you would normally have for a home media release. Well, if there are those options for the same for date for the eighteenth for the release of it, we don't know of them as of yet, but we'll see. Hmm. Either Could way, change. I think the way we're probably going to end up doing it is we're probably going to end up renting it, aren't we? Because I'm, I'm, yeah, I ain't putting cold hard cash down for it, mm. even if I end up surprisingly enjoying it. I, I. I, I doubt I will. Well, I don't know how um, I don't know how you do your renting, Christopher, but you do put down cold hard cash for rentals. Yeah, but you don't lay the cash you put, down. You just put less. Well, not now we don't because yeah. it's unsanitary. But <laughs> no one touches cash. No one touches cash anymore, except the window cleaner, which really annoys me. I'm like, I I get that you work with cash. I understand that, but at least like, you know how we uh, get, at least have some past, gloves on. You know how we get past that problem. <laughs> Go on. We don't have a window cleaner. Um. We, we have a lot of windows. We just have dirty windows. Um, stinky stink window. Matstafer holes. Um, hello. Hi. Hello, so, lovely. So, so the Flash film is still going ahead. Is it? Right, yeah. So, okay, we know it is this time because uh, they got a director who seems to have committed. Andy Machete. Andy Machete is directing. Lovely Andy Machete. The lovely Flash. beep, 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 Richie Andy Machete. And also the other week... They confirm the casting of Supergirl. Supergirl is making her yes. DCEU debut in The Flash, um, which is 
kind of wonderfully odd, considering like the CW version of Supergirl was intrinsically tied into the Flash. Um, do you think they're just sort of doing that as like, well, it worked there, so we'll do it here too? I mean, probably because that. I think the CW Flash show and the CW Supergirl show got so well. What became the CW wasn't the CW originally. I think they're both. They both get a lot right about those characters. Mm. Um. Uh. So it would. It doesn't surprise me if they are, um, pulling elements from from those versions, um. Because they were successful. Because also, this is such a a troubled production that they kind of need it to be good. Yeah. Um, this is, for those who uh, have lost count, uh, the Flash movie that was announced back in 2016 with a sort of tentative release date for 2018 no, no, initially. not 2016. No? 2014. When, that was when they announced it? Yep. Shit. Yep. <gasps> I had in my head it was 2016 simply because 2016 was where they went, here's a glimpse of the Flash, and we've already cast him in Batman Very Superman Dawn of Jaundice. But they've done a little bit of work in it because they've cast Nora Allen, Barry Allen's mother. Uh Uh, Aha. She's uh, Maribel Vidou, uh, who you'll probably know for like... um, uh, 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 That's the one. I think these are Portuguese or, or language movies. I think because they're um, from South America. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Itu Mama Tambien and uh, Pan's Labyrinth, of course. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. she's been cast. But Billy Crudup, who appeared in Justice who... League as yeah, Henry as, Allen. Um, as Henry, Henry Allen. Barry yeah. Allen's pops. Uh, he's dropped out. So we get one parent, we lose another. It's like the divorce all over again. Um, So... Do you uh, think he was just sick of waiting? Apparently it's because he's he's, scheduling scheduling conflicts with uh, the the morning show on Apple TV+. Ah. Uh, I I can't imagine... He's devastated to leave this. Scheduling conflicts. Based everyone's, on the fact that everyone's old friend. He'll have to, he'll have to have been bought out of his contract. Yeah, presumably. Uh, or, or they'll have to compensate him for the retainer that he's been on, because he's been on that thing for years. Like he had been contracted to play this part in this movie for years. So mm. They're either gonna have to buy him out or um, give him compensation for it. Um. Well, apparently they had to go into negotiations in October of last year for him to... It's taken that long? Yeah. Oh, my God. For him to to get back into it uh, because of, you know, various... uh, What do you call it? (laughs) Various problems with uh, scheduling and such. This has been such a, a mess. It's been a shit show. Um... But apparently... It's embarrassing to see how long the production has lasted on this. Um, it's only made embarrassing by the fact they've made it so public. Well, also, it's 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 due to be start shooting in April in London. Yeah. So, which is a bit of a worry, considering mm. we're still, you know, deep in the deep in the in the pandemic. But I guess, um, the Batman has just wrapped, 
and that was filming and that's in been Liverpool. Shooting around the UK mostly. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's mm, difficult to say. Uh, also, uh, I think we already knew this, but Kirsty Clemens is reprising Iris West from Justice League. Which she did in Justice League, but we didn't see that footage because it was cut from the final film. But it is in, it is in the Snyder's Justice League because so, everything yeah. and the kitchen sink is in the Snyder Cut. So that's the, the flash is happening. It's moving. It's moving forward. Um. Yeah. Very slowly. Yes. Yeah, so my name is Barry Allen. <laughs> my name is Barry <laughs> Allen, and I am the slowest moving film production. Uh, at Warner Brothers, not true. Warner Do you Brothers think they made a, a massive show. mistake? Because look at that initial announcement, that slate of announcements from twenty. Oh, I guess it would have been twenty fourteen. I think they have made least. several massive mistakes, but I don't think announcing the film in two thousand and fourteen was one of them. No, but I mean, in terms of them just going, here's everything you're gonna get. Because they said Flash film, Cyborg film, Aquaman movie, mm. Wonder Woman, Man of Steel two, and like here we are. It's like nope, a Batman film. A Batman trilogy. I don't think they said Man of Steel. World. <clears throat> I know they said that they wanted to do another film with him, but they hadn't confirmed. They hadn't confirmed Man of Steel too. Yeah. But they said that it was in the running, like they wanted to do it. Um, but it wasn't it in wasn't that. Like, it wasn't like bunch a, of here's logos a release date. They put up. Oh no! Yeah, the logos. I mean, Cyborgs. Cyborg, I think, was the first one that they put a bullet in. Um. And and Flash just sort of disappeared off release schedules again and again and again because of changing directors and screenwriters. And at one point, like, I think it was the previous director was the one where, like, Ezra Miller and them started to rewrite the script themselves. Yeah. And just like, what is going on? How this bad is movie? this script that they can't get it to... I mean, they got... <laughs> they Even got the director the... changes hands, if they already have a script from the first, like, production cycle, mm. you, t- you usually use that. And they might do some rewrites on it to fit their vision of it a little bit more. But you'd keep the same thing. But by the sound of this, it's, it, there's probably three or four versions of this movie that exist in terms of like screenplay. Well, they, now. they let Batman v Superman get made. So it's clear that they don't <laughs> have much quality control on scripts anyway. <laughs> so you win one Oscar for your screenplay and suddenly you're allowed to I write think, all these big properties. It's so weird. I think I think The Flash <laughs> might be sort of tying with Alien 3 for the amount of scripts that have been written and abandoned before they actually got to shooting. But also it makes me wonder how much of what we saw at the DC fandom is part of it. Or, or Comic-Con last year where they announced a few things. Because, like, you know, the, Keaton's in it. Yeah. But is he? Is he, though? Is Affleck I mean, in it anymore? Like... They seem to have gone quiet on that front whenever they talk about casting. So yeah. Have they decided to walk it back? Like, they've put that out there to remind everyone it exists, and then they're walking it back. Are they going to be anything more than a glorified cameo? Probably what not. What does any of this mean? It's... Oh, I don't know anymore. I don't flame him, no. I don't know Keen anymore. Will be, and... Keen will definitely be involved, and the, the giveaway for that is the fact that they've finally gone, yeah, we'll do that Batman 89 comic. Yeah, the, probably that we t- toyed with the fact that they're doing that suggests that there is something in the market soon that can tie into that it's an, um, it's a new batman sequel <laughs> that disregards all the other batman um <laughs> uh, no i i don't know what's going on with this really and i don't care because fuck ezra miller um <laughs> no don't that's what he wants no Oh, I didn't give you an update on the stand, did I? Finish the stand. 
Oh yeah. Which does feature Ezra Miller. Yeah, yeah, uh, fan choker as, Ezra Miller. As yeah. as the trash as the trash can man, appropriately enough. Mm. Um <laughs> just the worst performance. Like Is it really bad? So you know how I was saying that this the one dude who plays Tom Cullen, like really avoids doing a simple jack? Yeah. And like does it like does it really well and makes that character really endearing. But Ezra Miller mm-hmm. does exactly the opposite with his version of Trash Can Man. Oh. It is it is painful to watch. Oh god. Um but yeah, it's it's just like I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my weird um hands and I'm gonna do a a silly voice and I'm just gonna be non verbal like practically non verbal but in a really sort of like a parody of Rain Man way. It's just it's it's really bad. So 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 he went the seer route then. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But great. Everything else about that show, pretty fucking good. Hey. But I just wanted to mention that scene as we're on the subject of Ezra Miller and how he can fuck off. Um. So yeah, for those who are confused, go and look up Ezra Miller choking. Anyway, um, <laughs> and then and then tell me that. Zack Snyder's lot are doing accountability over entertainment like mm. they should be doing or not. Um, Google Ezra Miller choking, but don't Google Army Hammer eating. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, and if you're an Uber driver, if you're an Uber driver out in the States and Army Hammer orders from you, turn down the job. Yeah. Turn it down. Uh, <laughs> go home. I bet some of the current topics and current news happened... Uh, while we're away, so let's just assume what they were. But again, um, I don't care. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, first episode goes out after we've recorded this, but uh, yeah. everyone dies in the first minute. Uh, and um, uh, uh, oh, uh, uh, Square Enix conference. Uh, Life is Strange three will be an Avengers DLC and <laughs> uh, stuff. Okay, <laughs> there we go. <clears throat> this past week, I fell down a bit of a rabbit hole on YouTube. Yeah, what was the rabbit hole you fell down? So, over uh, over the, over the last couple of years, we've occasionally touched on any drama surrounding uh, Channel Awesome and the production team of the Nostalgia Critic. We've touched on that from time to time. Um, for those who don't know, for a simple context, Nostalgia Critic is a web show that sort of shot to popularity in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, around the time the sort of the angry reviewer format began online, which I kind of um, always hated. So yeah, its popularity well, sort of baffled me. This is this is where we're going with this. Where we're going with this. So, um, uh, that was sort of a, a thing that happened. Fictional characters as as reviewer and uh, th- this the the one that lasted and has still kind of lasted because the creator's been very open about like what is fiction and what's more comedy and la 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 is the angry video game nerd. Um, but one of his imitators was the nostalgia critic that turned into a web show. Uh, that you know. Fairly amusing when it's like kept to the simplified format of person commenting on thing. Video is thirteen minutes long, and then you go on with your day. Um, and that spurned off into all the controversies with the channel, where they had a lot of people signing into their logging into their website as producers, who were either abused, um, uh, harassed by the management. Uh, they covered up the um, the acts of a sexual abuser. Yeah. They uh, covered for a. Um, an owner of the company who was sexually uh, inappropriate towards producers and content creators. Uh, people got fired for just not commenting back on a Skype conversation in 15 minutes, having all their revenue 
like it streams cut off in one fell swoop like just absolute dickheads who make a web show and now the website is down to just all the producers left bar three nostalgia critic because that team of course they're the main one on the site uh brad jones who used to be called what was he called besides a shithead um good smith <laughs> arse biscuit no. what was he called oh um i think it was a review snob something like that uh, and then a guy called Guru Larry, who's stuck on the site just to troll them, basically very openly slags off the company and its practices. But because if they drop him, they've only got two producers on the site. So he just sort of stays there. Um, it, it, he calls it the, the Channel Awesome Hunger Games. He's like, I'm going to I'm see. I'm going to wait until I'm the last one on the site. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Um, but yeah, there's all that stuff. And this past week, a couple videos came out from different sort of video essayists and whatnot online talking about like... They've gone beyond the controversy stuff that's been covered and it's been two, three years since. There are people who still watch Nostalgia Critic and stuff like that. And then there are people like myself who avoid it like the plague now. Because it's like, wh why? Why would you support them? Like, why would you... Like, obviously not everyone involved in the current production has, has been part of this. Mm. But the people making money are the ones who covered stuff up or were neglectful or abusive. So why would you get involved? If anyone's curious, look up Change the Channel. Um, hashtag Change the Channel on Google for the full story. But the reason I bring it up is these, these YouTube video essayists in the past couple of weeks have been talking about like, so how harmful was this discourse in terms of this reviewer style to the internet and film discourse on the internet now? Mm. Um, and I watched it and I was sort of going like, yeah, I for a couple of years, back in, back in it was 2010, 2011, I watched a fair bit of Nostalgia Critic. They used to, you know, while I'm having a bath, put on a playlist of two or three. Leave the tablet up on the thing. Just have a bath and watch a couple of them. You know, laugh a bit. Enjoy and, it. And touch yourself. Touch myself just a little bit, yeah. Um, and what, you, you, want me, you don't you don't want me to wash my genitals while I'm in the bath? Um, so, yeah. Uh, finger in my arse. And then, you got to so get dirty to get clean. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, good Lord, no. Uh, so, I was like, why did I, why did I enjoy it? And I think it's because it was consumable. Some of the jokes resonated. I was like, yeah, that's funny. But over time, I've looked back at it and gone like, I sort of left the site watching it in like sort of 2012. Yeah. I continued to watch some of the producers. Uh, like I followed Lindsay Ellis when she left the site primarily because she wasn't stuck to the format she'd been given. Um, Todd in the Shadows is a really interesting music reviewer. Um, you know, a few content creators from that era. Uh, uh, some joke with the camera wasn't like one of the main set he joined quite late on. His show was sort of brought into the fold. Yeah. Uh, he's a theme park reviewer with a very like dark and weird sense of humor and i adore his stuff he's got a brilliant podcast plug in a podcast that we don't have to plug called um escape from vault disney huh? where every week he and a couple of guests are given a random thing that's on disney plus and they have to talk about it oh that might be worth checking out actually and so sometimes it's like you know an episode of the sweet life of zach and cody huh? like in the middle of a series sometimes it's a disney classic other times it's one of those sky ghost thumbnail movies <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They just have to they have to watch it and discuss it. Like because that's that's the challenge. Um and you get great guests on that, like Jenny Nicholson's done one. There's the, the you know, it's a lot of that Disney theme park kind of culture. So I'm very grateful for finding that site because it helped me discover shows and creators that I still watch and enjoy to this day. Um But like, yeah, no, fuck that place. Mm. And it made me think, I what happened? Did something happen that made me start watching? And I think it's because I realized I just kind of I got it. I was like, yeah, all right. I kind of get what you're doing now. There's not really anything more you can do to surprise or entertain. You like, it's it's a thing. 
And it I got think, me to thinking. Oh, go on. I think me. the same thing has happened for me with Red Letter Media. Yes, we talked about this a while back. Yeah, like you're not, like, you're not on the, in on their stuff so, anymore. It, they just spend so much time shitting on stuff in such like a cynical, dejected way that regardless of whether their criticism is valid or not, or interesting, or interesting, it's just kind of the packaging. Um, it's just like oh. yeah, you f- you fell out in what I like to call the um, for fuck's sake Mike period. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where there was like, there was like a year where uh, Mike Stokosta just seemed so miserable in every topic yeah but like, he just seemed so miserable and it was just not entertaining to watch anymore but so there I... seems to there seems to be a period where the the, the rest of the team realize that because there's a few best of the worsts where they're they're really kind of harping on him when he's being negative i will still occasionally dip into the, the best of the worst now and again and and the the occasional uh review Review's but, my favorite because it's yeah. a focus on positive they and, pick a thing they like and they talk about and mike's it, not and always on it um yeah <laughs> But yeah, if it's like a straight up movie review, I'm just like, nah, not yeah. doing it. But it, this is this is precisely it. This is what I wanted to discuss with y'all. And I shut this out you a couple of hours ago and said, have a little think about this. Hmm. Um, is there any stuff that you've, media stuff that you have outgrown? Now for our listeners, I'm not saying like, oh, that's for babies or like, oh, I'm better than that now. I think that attitude's, you know, that attitude's kind of a nasty one to be like, you know, oh, fuck that. I'm, I'm way better than that now. It's like at some point, it hit the spot for you. Yeah. So whatever it is, if other people like it, power to them. Great. But it's just an interesting kind of thought to have. Because I obviously at some point outgrew that website and watching the producers in that place. And I, I for me, it was because it became samey. But there's yeah. other stuff. So I, I want to throw, I want to throw something out that's not so much outgrowing the thing itself, but outgrowing the culture around it. Yeah. So my first thing that I outgrew and I feel it's happened in the last sort of five years, really, is shitting on the Star Wars prequels. Um, I don't look back at them now as that as something that every time they're mentioned, I have to go, fucking hell. Like, because we know. Like, we all know. Yeah, they're not good. We don't need to make jokes about them anymore. Like, we all know Attack of the Clones is... Oh, it's, it's absolute it's, shit show. It's, it's, it's almost it's the, unwatchable. It's the joint. It's the joint worst Star Wars movie. Yeah, <laughs> like it's but, not great. But I think part of it was Rise of Skywalker coming out. <laughs> and then, know, that might have been that might have been the final nail. Just like, and like why oh, have we wow. given why have we given those three such a hard time? Like, but it, for me, I've kind of outgrown that mentality of immediately thinking because I used to think like growing up, I was like, they're, they're fine. Then got a bit older and went, no, they're shite. And then as I got older, joined the internet. Well, we and the internet's them. first massive collective punching bag was the Star Wars prequels. We rewatched them not long after you got Disney Plus. And like Phantom Menace is fine. Yeah. Like it's a bit dull in places and yeah. it's just a lot of It doesn't have a main character, it's a bit yeah. directionless. Yeah, it doesn't like, it doesn't seem to do any of the things that it like it raises a lot of possibly interesting plot threads and doesn't do anything with them. Yeah. Um, Attack of the Clones. We actually couldn't make it all the way through. Yeah. It was last time. It was last time I watched bad. it, I was yelling at the telly because yeah. I was so baffled by the choices. It's so so bad. And then again, it's really long. And Revenge yeah. of the Sith is just again fine. fine. Like there's some fine. actually really neat bits in it, but like, yeah, I, I think I think Clone Wars has helped recontextualize a lot of that stuff. I'm like yeah. I'm like about halfway through season two of Clone Wars, and I watched any for a while. I need to go back to it. 
Um, but I think that's kind of helped, and the response to that has kind of helped uh, re, um, help people reevaluate and sort of redeem uh, some of the the characters, particularly. Obviously, not the films themselves because the plots are still bad and you know still poor films. But pardon me, um, it's helped to sort of flesh out some of the themes, some of the characters, and give people a sort of fresh take on what that sort of time period in the Star Wars setting is. Yeah. So I think that's helped. But yeah, I, the the whole uh, like ragging the, on the prequels. They are the worst thing yeah. to happen to cinema mentality. Like, no. That, that was, I think only grew because again, it was like the birth of social media and, and, and film discourse and discussion on the internet. Like we were all once, all once every household uh, or was either already had or nearly about to have an internet connection. Yeah. That was the film stuff that people that... seem to talk about the most. And I remember like... spending a lot of late 2004, early 2005 on the Force.net, eagerly mm. trading Revenge of the Sith theories, rumours, mm. um, you know, that kind of thing. So there was a huge... For me, that was quite early on in my, you know, access to the internet. So mm. it was it was sort of a formative time for me uh, with that sort of thing. So yeah, I think you're right. Is sort of ragging on the prequels is like, are we done now? Yeah, like, are we are we done? It it just it's odd, and, and I think part of that as well has been the revelations around it. Yeah, like, the life of Jake Lloyd. Fuck me. Mm. The films and the the films and the response to the films aren't the reason a person makes decisions, but they certainly didn't fucking help what ended up going on in his life. Yeah, in the, his mental state. Ahmed Best. Ahmed Best. Yeah. Holy shit! Well, like, I was I've started listening the, to a, a, another another neat podcast, um, uh, which is called The More Civilized Age. Yeah. It's a Clone Wars rewatch podcast. Oh okay. Um, <laughs> done by a couple of the guys from uh, Waypoint Radio and a couple mm. of their collaborators. And they were talking in the most recent episode about how, like, a couple of episodes into season one, like, in Jar Jar's, like, third or fourth appearance, it's suddenly not Ahmed Best anymore. Hmm. Because he, he voices Jar Jar in the, in, yeah. the, in the first appearances in The Clone Wars. Um, it's uh, Phil Lamar, under a okay. pseudonym. Yeah. Um, and we're like, oh, why has this happened? It's because Ahmed Best had to step away from playing the character. Because it just it the, the response to Jar Jar from the fans had just become so toxic, and he was so depressed by it that he had to literally take. I think it was like three or four years he did it yeah. before he came back to do the character to just sort of distance himself from it and get his head together because he was in such a, a bad place and the toxic yeah. reaction to it. Um, and I think I think again, best like, is, again, like <clears throat> again, Jar Jar is. He's not a great character in the three films. Jar Jar's a not. bad character. There's some really uncomfortable racial undertones going on in there. But Ahmed hmm. Best is really doing his best, funnily enough. To, Ahmed's doing his best. Yeah, like, to it's, yeah. You know, make it work. Hmm. Sort of uphill. It's this uphill struggle of this ridiculous character. Um, and so it's... I think, part, I think part of why I don't rag on... Because it's not just the prequels. It's like stuff in general. Yeah, a lot of why. I mean, we rag on the Zack Snyder stuff I mean, quite a bit, but that's yeah. really bad. Uh, but but like, I don't. 
Yeah, but we're not sending hate mail to Zack Snyder. No, because... We're not taking a shit on his lawn. Yeah. Like, we wouldn't spend so much time talking about it if we didn't do a show where we talk about that, that kind of thing every week. Um, where, and I don't really spend that I much time I don't know, I still think you and me would be texting each other being like, have you seen no, the state of fucking Steppenwolf in this teaser? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, it, it, I think I'm... I think... It looks like someone ran into the silverware section of Ikea and yeah. knocked over a bunch of shelves. As, as I've grown... As I've grown older, onto, I've sort of become... someone passing by wearing a Velcro suit. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> everything's just fuck. static, they just clung to it. <laughs> Uh, Kieran Hines is nearby talking into a plastic tumbler. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, I've just got to re-rail my train of thought after you just trampled all over it. Um, <laughs> kicked it off like kicked it off like Godzilla. Um, <laughs> there we go. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I don't spend that much time like hating on things in the same way as that like, you sort of, like you sort of used to. Because I think I've grown more conscious of the fact that it's people making these things, and a lot yeah. of the people that take that take the hit for it, like a lot of the the um, the hate for bad films is often directed at the actors, and it is so it is so seldom anything to do with them. Yeah, that a project ends up turning out shit, but because they're the most publicly visible part of the production yeah. in most cases they get so much of the shit um and again it leads to things like what happened with jake lloyd and i'm my best and, and, and other and others besides in other projects but it is that sense of okay this is a person doing their work and in so many of these cases like even with our favorite punching bag zack snyder like he is setting out to make something good yeah and he cares about the fact that they fail <laughs> isn't necessarily to, isn't necessarily always their fault. Like, I think Zack Snyder's a good example of someone whose idea of what is good, quote-unquote mm. good, and works is just so far from ours that I don't oh, yeah. know. I, I think if he is making things that are true to the way he wants to work and the, the way he wants to tell stories, we're just never going to see eye to eye. Oh god no. Like yeah, nothing exactly. he does. It might be he might consider something his masterpiece, but I'm probably gonna think it sucks because our sensibilities are just so different. So I think I've become a little mellower on that. Um But but you also know, we again, do you... we do play that up on here with for, for laughs. Oh yeah. But genuinely but like, at the, same, like... at the same time you're not tweeting Zack Snyder every day with abuse. No. Like because it's not because what's the point in that? And that's what the prequels and the actors attached to him got for de- like nearly two decades now. If I would, if I were to meet Zack Snyder, and he were to ask me what I thought of Justice League, I would probably say, "Dude, I thought that movie sucked." <laughs> but I'm not gonna go and search him out to say your movie fucking sucks. Go and die. You know what I mean? Yeah. I. And I don't need to. We don't need to make whole things of it. Like it comes up in conversation, it's in the news, we'll mention it. We don't need to <clears throat> again going back to Red Letter Media, we don't need to make a review longer than the actual piece of media telling you how bad it is because we're so funny and clever. Like it's not it's not good. Like I hate that kind of criticism. It's just that sort of, that sort of video essay as comedic um 
hate outpouring. Mm. I like, just think it's con- so cons- trite. Constru- constructive or deconstructive. Yeah. Analytical, sure, but the ones where it's just a, a, a just pissing all over a thing for two hours is like, yeah. What are you like adding the, the, to the, the discussion? The plinket stuff it just could not interest me any less. I but just there was a time. Don't was think a time. it's funny. But there was a time. For for you, I think, but I think for me, I tried it. Was like, really? Yeah, I just it was ah. never my thing, really. Um, okay. Because I. So I hang on, what- which one of their things did you get into first? Was it was it half in the bag? The first time I came across Red Letter Media was when was the half in the bag for Prometheus. Right, okay. That was the oh. first Red Letter Media thing that I remember consuming. Hmm. And after that, I watched a fair bit of Half in the Bag, but I was always more interested in things like Best of the Worst. And then hmm. Half in the Bag has just become unwatchable now for me. Because yeah. so much of that plinket... You know, understandably so, because it's Mike. Um, so much of that plinket stuff has just, and that that attitude has permeated it, and it just it's kind of ruined it for me. Um, where there's less of that, and things are like best of the worst, like everyone knows that these films, but they're sort of in on the joke. Yeah. Rather than it just yeah. being this new popular film came out and we're gonna shit on it because it's a new and popular film. We don't like new and popular films, and we're very vocal about the fact that we don't like new and popular films because they're new and popular films. And good films don't get made anymore, and it's that. And it's like, I know that's not necessarily something. I know that's not what you're trying to say, but it feels like that. And yeah, of course, yeah. it's out to your opinion, yeah. but it just feels like you're being contrary. I uh, and I don't think that's necessarily. And, and like it's a it's an attitude worth growing out of. Yay! It's just that 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 idea of, of, and and it's why I brought this up as my first one, is like, that that became the attitude toward these these three movies specifically Mm. and and everyone involved to them. And like we said, yeah, they're not incredible cinema by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they mean an awful lot to a a generation of fans of Star Wars and everything too. Like those who grew up with these, like where these were the first or these were were the ones on DVD. I now, at 33, cannot make it through Attack of the Clones. I think it's unwatchable. When that film came out, I saw it three times in the cinema. I saw it twice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because as a kid, I was just like, fuck yeah. Three times. Fair enough. Let's go. Yeah. Because it was the wildest shit. And I wanted it. Like, (laughs) there was Jedi all over the place. Yoda was finally doing a lightsaber fight. And I thought that shit was cool as when I was what two thousand. You were four, you were fourteen, and there was Natalie Portman's abdomen. Yeah, yeah, like, you know all the hits. Um, she, but she's a senator. You want to buy like, some death all sticks. the hits are there. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to sell me death sticks. Uh, you know, oh, it's Django. Fett. You want to go? You want to go home and rethink your life? <laughs> Django Fett's cool as shit when you're a, when you were a very dirty teenager. Um, <laughs> but it's just not. It was like. It's very much an age thing. Like that's kind of the the who they were aiming those films at, and I was just mm. right in the right place at the right time to sort mm. of carry that carry that off. And now, oh, the sweet spot for sure. I love Star Wars still as a franchise, but I don't right. like those films. But I'm not gonna. In, in front of me right now, by sheer coincidence. Oh yeah, I've got I've got the mall with the with the the desert equipment. Got um yeah. Let's go have a ball with the mall. Go have a ball with the mall. 
Qui Gon there. Yeah. Like like these are the act for those who don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm showing Matt some action figures. Um, got Battle Droid here. Um, I've got Obi Wan. Like you know the. Phantom Menace came out and I was ninety nine, wasn't it? Yeah, ninety nine. I was eight. I was eight. Like that shit was my jam. I was eleven, and I loved it because I'd watched the previous three, the original trilogy, so much that it was like, oh, there's more Star Wars. Yeah, that was the thing. Yay! Like, because yeah. there's more Star Wars, but I also wasn't a kid who could afford to buy all the books and all the time yeah. stuff. Like that was what um, you know older nerds who had jobs did we were kids yeah i was a kid I couldn't, fun I, thing. Couldn't buy, I couldn't go out and buy the that week's new star wars release and that's the reason why i've I sort of grown out of the funk for the prequels because mm. I've, I've sort of grown out of wasting time ragging on them like if someone wants to yeah. say you know so what do you think of attack of the clones i'll be like oh fuck let me tell you what i think of attack of the clones <laughs> but i won't go out of my way to just automatically hate it. Do you know what I mean? Like to automatically mm. have a have a shit on it every time it's mentioned. Like get this uh can we like I I, I so basically first one for room one oh five, copyright. Uh, <laughs> uh I'm submitting um I've outgrown uh casual hatred for the Star Wars prequels. Cause ultimately, what's the point? Like, what's yeah. the point? What's what's the point? Um what's the fucking point? And go and watch that Jedi Challenge show on YouTube because I'm at best a Jedi Master who leads it. It's basically Crystal Maze meets Jungle Run, but Star Wars, and it's really fun. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I've <laughs> Have you seen, seen any it, of that? Well, no, I haven't seen it, but it sounds good. It's it's sort of set in like the prequel era, but it's a game show, so it's not like canon canon. But they've said that the character in it and a couple of the other characters that appear in it will be appearing in the comics and stuff. Yeah, it's canon with two and, ends, um, not canon with one end. Yeah. <laughs> As in, people get fired out of cannons because it's like the Crystal Maze. And, um... <laughs> Wait, do, do people don't get fired out of cannons in the Crystal Maze. What the fuck am I talking about? You know what I mean. Cr- cross, Mumsy will be. Um, and <laughs> they, uh... Ahmed Best is a Jedi Master who, who teaches the Padawans and gets them through the assault course. And he's fucking swag as hell. Love he's it. great. So, go watch it. Uh, Matt. Yeah. What, what have you outgrown? Well, this isn't a recent one. This is something that happened... A long time ago. Oh, I. But oh, I. it's the, kind of the first thing that came to mind when you talked about outgrowing things. <clears throat> and, um... Your baby clothes. So my sort of feelings on and reactions to comedy have changed a lot over the years. But yeah. particularly something that hit really hard when I was the right age that now I would not... Like, I am embarrassed by... Yeah, is the sort of teen comedy boom of the oh, late nineties, early two thousands, particularly the American Pie films. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, a thousand times. Yeah, loved yes. the shit out of those at the time. So this like, this is the so- this is the sophomoric uh, American sex yeah. comedy with gross out humor and and dude bro mentality sort of yeah. stuff. That was so like basically your... the entirety of the late nineties to mid two thousands. Yeah. So your your American Pie, uh, your Road Trip. Uh, yeah. I think, Jesus. I think Freddie Got Fingered fits into that, but it's such a sort of <laughs> that one's oddly specific. <laughs> yeah. It, it it's such a trans uh, transgressive sort of. That's not the right word. It it no. 
I am a believer of the theory that Tom Green knew exactly what he was doing and was trying to make the sort of stupidest, most avant-garde. It just literally was what was sort of playing chicken with the studio and how much money would they give him to be as stupid as he possibly could. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's... I I always see that as a sort of weird... um, art project more than a film um but i you know, i can't i don't think i could go back and fucking watch it because it's oh just god no so... it's not good like it's not good but it's fascinating yeah um whereas <laughs> things that the, the ones that are sort of more earnest like your american pies and your road trips the your... ones that have the forced sentimentality in the yeah. third act where the character suddenly is like i'm sorry i was a dick and they get together with the yeah. you know they're inevitably straight pairing and then they like they're together and it's sweet and everyone else is still gross but happy for them. And, and it's, it's just the, like, the uh, pop punk soundtracks and yes, like, Jesus. Because that was kind of the music that I, I was listening to at the time, and I was in a band and I was playing that kind of music. I'm trying to. Um, who 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 are you aiming for? Simple Plan or? Well, everyone was aiming for Simple Plan. Let's be honest. It was yeah, it's all Green Day entire. Green Day, uh, yeah. Oh god, what was it? What was the? Oh, I was in one of those films. It was like the staple. Um, fuck! There was a a song at the expense of the dude who's who's or singing about someone's mum. It wasn't Stacy's mum, but that kind of sound. It'll come to me. There's one song where in one of those films, it's like somebody bragging about like it's probably a Blink One Eight Two song shagging someone else, and it was just like this is the sound. Yeah. I guess. This yeah. is this is the attitude of all of this stuff. Yeah, and it just is. Yeah, but the, and and it you know it's it's been a long time since I've ever since I've revisited any of that stuff, but I just can't imagine going back to it now and sitting sort of getting anything from it because like just thinking of the jokes that went, I'm just like, and you know you know me, I'm no fucking prude. Anyone who listens to this uh, to this podcast will know that I'm not a, I'm not averse to crass humor, but it can, it does have to be funny. Yeah, For, and I don't think any of that stuff is funny. I think um, I know what I think I know what brings you into it at first. Um, it's, it's, and that is it's it's, a, it's it's when you're a preteen or a young teen, yeah, you feel like you're being allowed. You feel like you're being allowed yeah. at the adults table. You feel like oh, I shouldn't be watching this. Oh, I'm a grown up. Yeah, <laughs> dick jokes. And it's, and it's jokes, sort of like boobies. You're just like okay. <laughs> and it's sort of like oh well, this is. Is this where I'm going to go as a teenager? Is this kind of what my late teenage years are going to be like? Mm. And you sort of, in that sense, I think it's it's supposed to be aspirational to the sort of younger audience of it. But it's something I outgrew a long time ago, but it's definitely the first thing that came to mind because it's just, by the time uh, American Wedding, American Pie 3 came along, I was mm. already firmly out of that. I mean, talk about so full sentimentality in yeah. the third act. I mean, it's literally the third film, and it's about the two leads getting married. Yeah, and then Fucking being hell. while everyone else is still having gross-out sex adventures. Yeah, and it just so by the time that came along, I was already filming out, and that was only a couple of years later. So it yeah, they came out over like a five-year span, I think. Yeah, so it was quite a quick that. thing that happened. I I'm guessing some sort of things changed in my in in my life that just where the movies didn't land so much, but it was definitely a growth thing of like, okay, I'm now, I've, I've grown past these films. These are just, and again, like, they're not atrocious. Like they're just kind of 
goofball sex comedy. I think probably some of the humour in them is problematic. Again, I haven't revisited for, um, for so long. I would imagine the nature of them as, as, as sex comedies points out some problematic humour in them, but like I don't think they were like terribly made or um, sort of like absolute cinematic disasters. Like they were probably fine as far mm. as like you know sex comedies go. Oh, as far as those sex yeah. comedies coming in here but, with their balls all shiny. Yeah, I just don't. I just like thinking of the thinking of Eugene Levy in those films. Oh yeah, just makes me cringe. And it's not well, Eugene. That's... It's not Eugene Levy's fault. Like no, <laughs> he's just doing what he does. And it's just oh ha ha ha. Well, that's the thing. Sometimes those those films trick you into thinking they're more than that sort of shit. Yeah. Because another one I outgrew. It's not a sexy, gross-out teen comedy. Yeah. But it's absolutely in that same fucking wheelhouse. Yep. Um, take our younger listeners back. 1997 was the year where DVD players started to appear. All right. All Super right. expensive, but they were they were appearing. They were okay. showing up on shelves for okay. people. Um, 1999 was kind of when people were here in the UK. Like it was more common for people yeah, to have a DVD player. Yeah, I got player. mine late nine, early two thousand because yeah. I got the Matrix, as yes, so many that, people did. And that was the thing yeah. after after the machines started coming out in ninety seven, ninety eight, and not everyone was buying them because they were expensive as fuck, um, and the DVDs were expensive as fuck. Ninety nine, two thousand was when they started selling DVD players cheaper and usually bundled with a couple of films. Yeah. Or with like you know you buy the DVD player and you can pick two movies from the selection of twenty. Because they were just sat there. Um, meaning that, uh, obviously, there was the novelty of having a DVD player. You mm. got a DVD player, and the first lots of films that were coming out for the first few years were just new releases. Yeah. Like, it, it was like it was almost like a, an event when an older film came out on DVD. They'd make a thing of it. Yes. Like, you know, yeah, Disney, Disney from the Disney vault, and, you yeah. know, out now for a limited time. The Star Wars one was like, get it now before it's gone. Dun, 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 and all this on the trailer. Special editions like, with documentaries and, yeah, like, and, commentaries and actually, you know, lots of, like, supplemental material oh, for all I, the films. I have still somewhere in this room, I have a copy of The Matrix. Um, the version they put out that's like a two disc edition with a big fold out center bit yeah. and and like all this artwork on it and that was like the whole if you didn't get that in the first month you were screwed mm. like that was the version I, I i was i was uh bought it as a gift i was like oh shit because i was you know uh 99 2000 the dvd would have come out wouldn't it so yeah because yeah. you've got yours then so so i would have been like nine and i'm way too young to be watching this but i'm not going to say a damn thing yeah. to my mum because someone's obviously bought it for me and it's cool and i want to watch this cool thing but that meant that a lot of screwball comedies and these sex comedies were big in the early 2000s because they were out at the time they'd come onto home media and they tried to do not necessarily a family friendly version of, of these comedies but ones that they could sell to a younger audience for a time. Okay. Including a film that age... 10? 11? I thought it was fucking brilliant. Alright. 2001's Rat Race is a movie... Oh, God! Where a bunch of... Yeah, this completely pretty passed me by. I remember unlikable seeing pricks, essentially. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah it, 
it's like unlikable pricks bar two characters who are clearly the nice ones who are going to get together at the end and have a lovely life together um are challenged by a, a millionaire called donald p sinclair to use these clues to find a locker with let's double check two million dollars in cash uh waiting for them in silver city new mexico and essentially he's like i just want to i just want to give it up you off you guys go like you come to vegas you all got this invite you've got however long it takes first one's there get two million dollars and two million dollars in cold hard cash off you go and then as they piss off it's revealed that a bunch of millionaires are betting on which one will get there first and that's how he's like getting something out of this so it's a bunch of unscrupulous shitholes trying to compete to get across the country um it has a seemingly all-star cast. Uh, the mil- the millionaire in question is is John Cleese wearing like comedy veneers. Uh, your likable romantic leads are Breck and Meyer and Amy Smart. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. It was one of those movies where he was like, ah, I guess I'll do a comedy now. I've got my Oscar. I'll just do a comedy and tit around for a bit. Um, and Seth then just Green... continue to tit around for the next twenty yes. years. <laughs> uh, Seth Green and and Vince Villa for in it as a as a double act. Um, Lenny Chapman, Whoopi Goldberg, mm-hmm. John Lovitz, uh, uh, Rowan Atkinson, sort of most famously. He was sort of the one where everyone was like, "What?" Because from the trailers, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be mistaken to think, "Is that, is that Mr. Bean? Is he mm-hmm. playing Mr. Bean in this movie?" <laughs> he's basically playing Mr. Bean in this movie. He's, he's playing a um, a narcoleptic Italian tourist, is how it's described. Sure. So the comedy of him is he doesn't speak English and he's a physical comedy character and every now and again he falls asleep. You're like, okay. Okay. Right. It's goofy. It's weird. There are Hitler jokes. Uh, There's a character who's got tongue piercings and can't talk properly and falls in love with a woman who also has a tongue piercing and can't talk properly. There's piss and poo and fart. It's where I... Ah, piss and poo and fart. (laughs) If If you've ever heard me... um use the like when i've been with you in a physical room in the before times um and i've been like oh, i'm just popping to the toilet if i've ever made the joke where i've said i'm prairie dogging um that's a reference to rat race it's the only thing that stuck with me from this movie over the time prairie dogging can anyone just case i was wondering is when you're so desperate for the toilet for a certain thing that you begin to poke your head out of the hole like a prairie dog um so there you go and that's from this film um it's it's shit. Like, it is really shit. Mm. Now, we owe it a lot. Uh, this film is kind of the start of Robot Chicken in terms of the DNA. Because you've got, like, Breckenmeyer and Seth Green. This is where their sort of collaborative stuff began that leads into their work with Matthew Senreich, which leads into Robot Chicken. Like, we get stuff like that from this. Um, it's just great to see Whoopi Goldberg in anything nowadays because she's so often not acting mm. in stuff anymore that whenever she pops up in anything, it's a joy to see her. This is back before we knew that John Cleese was a casual turf um, and things, that Rowan yeah. Atkinson didn't quite understand how to talk about censorship without sounding like a bigot. And um, Wayne Knight's in it. Yay. Um, yeah, always plus. It's before we knew Dean Kane was a cunt. He's yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, so you can see why at the time I was like, all these actors that I'd liked in stuff growing up, loved them to bits. And oh, Seth Green, he's funny. He was in Austin Powers, he's funny. Oh, he was Oz in Buffy. Yay, this is great. There just came a time where I realised, the fuck am I watching? And do you know what it was that made me realise? What's that? Watching the Naked Gun films a couple of years later. 
I finally got around to watching the Naked Gun stuff. So you know the Frank Drebin. Well, had you Nielsen. not seen it before? I hadn't at that point. Oh, uh, I'd see, I'd seen a bunch of Leslie Nielsen stuff. I'd seen Wrongfully Accused. I'd seen Airplane. I'd seen Dracula Dead and Loving It, and mm. I'd seen the oft-forgotten and that's fine. Spy Hard. I've not um, forgotten about Spy Hard. Worth watching for just the opening titles, which is a James Bond opening sequence sung by Weird Al Yankovic. Um, and that end note that he holds, he has performed that song live. There's a gag where at the end he holds this note like for 40, 50 seconds, then his head explodes. And he has performed that song live at concerts during encores for a laugh. And he holds the note every time. It's like, Jesus Christ, Al. How? He's, an, he's so... an incredible vocalist. Like some oh, of the shit he so pulls good. is... It, like in terms of like breath control and diction mm. and speed is I mean the Hamilton polka just that's the, the bit where he hits um what's it uh, right hand man in Hamilton polka he's not speeding it no like it's just it's mind blowing and like like freaking David Diggs is only doing it like a fraction slower in the show but it's like yeah David Diggs raps it's one of the things that he does Weird Al is not a rapper, he's an accordion player and comedy musician. He's a little and bit of everything though, isn't he? Faster. He's faster than David Diggs is. It's like, what the fuck? Brilliant. But um so, you know, the, 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 I then finally got around to watching Naked Gun. I think it's because the first one's a fifteen certificate, so my dad was always a bit like hesitant um to show it to me. And then I was like 13, 14, you went, here it is. And I love it. I absolutely love it. DNA of airplane, like that whole kind yeah. of perfect. You know, there, there is stuff that hasn't aged well, but it is really there, like a night. There it's are like some a ninety problematic oh, yeah. elements to the Naked Gun films. Oh yeah, but it's like <laughs> not, it's like a, not least I mean, the not presence least of, of one of the lead roles yeah. of a murderer. Yeah, that's a bit oh. of a big one. But he ain't seeing any money from the Naked Gun sales, folks. Well. So. Um, the juice may be loose, but he ain't getting any money for this. Uh, and as, it was, um, as I was reminded by Lindsay Ellis's uh, recent <laughs> video, there is some real transphobic shit in the third one. Oh yeah! Oh like some yeah! Fucking really hell! Really rough stuff. Yeah, to the point where any future release or stream should probably come with a content warning at the top yeah. end. Uh, we're talking. We're there's... talking, folks. Ace Ventura levels of oh, for fuck's sake! I forgot that was in there. Uh, yeah, certainly on. The... <laughs> There's a As reason why Ace Ventura, when Nature than, Calls, yeah. is the one that survived. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 oh, oh, yeah. Mm. Well, I think, I think, again, you, you, I can sort of, sort of pull from, from that into, into my next one, which is, again, comedy ones. And it is, mm. you know, it's a bit more of a vague catch-all, but it is like the sort of, the character comedy. Well, yeah. Okay, so just to make sure how, how much this segue is going to fit in with Rat Race, right? Yeah. Um, does yours have one of the three three movie uses of Smash Mouth's All-Star in the early 2000s? I might... I, I don't remember. Because that's how Rat Race ends. Oh. It ends with a Smash Mouth concert and they sing All-Star. I will say, there is floating around on the internet someone who uh they tra they google translated uh, all star i think it's a sumerian right. and then retranslated it back into english that's oh. that's worth a giggle 
Holy shit, I've just looked this up for a laugh. All-Star. Right, these are the films oh, that used All-Star. Right? Uh, used All-Star by Smash Mouth. Um, we obviously can't play music of this podcast, but if any of you are wondering where it, you know, what song we're talking about, some... There you go, you've got it in your head. Uh, it first appears in the 1999 Inspector Gadget movie. Oh! <laughs> it then appears oh, in the film no. that it was the, the tie-in single for... Can you remember which film that was? Like the, the characters from that film feature in the music video. I'll give you the cast. William H. Macy, Ben Stiller, and Hank Azaria. Um, Kel Mitchell plays the best role in it. Uh, uh, Eddie Izzard's in it. Jeffrey Rush. Uh, Mystery Men. <laughs> Mystery Yay! Men. Jeez, that, I couldn't, couldn't... I've, not, I've not gone back to that in years, but that was one of our first DVDs. The first DVDs we owned at my dad's when he got the player... The, that came in the bundle were Mystery Men and Wild Wild West because apparently oh, we had no taste. Wild Wild um, West is not good. It then features heavily in Rat Race. Mm. Um, Shrek is then the fourth film to use oh, it. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but because of that, that's why after an early screening of Shrek, uh, of Shrek the band members were... Uh, impressed and ultimately agreed to perform the new rendition of I'm a Believer for the ending. Um, what else? Far, far, far. Uh, Polygon uh, only is the only song in the musical for what? Oh, what? All Star, the best Broadway musical. An unstaged musical theatre adaptation of the song. Oh my All-Star, god. All Star the Broadway musical has been written and officially sanctioned by the band. It's the only song in the musical being adapted into various genres and styles. So this is this is something that popped <laughs> up on Twitter that Keeks found. Um this is someone who translated Smash Mouth's All Star into Aramaic yeah. and then back into English. Oh Jesus Christ. Are you ready for this? Hit me. I can't do it in the tune because there's too many syllables. There was one who said unto me that the universe was going to cause me to tremble. That I am not the sharpest cutting implement in the storehouse. <laughs> she had the appearance unto me as a stupid one, with her finger and thumb in the frame of a Greek gamma upon her forehead. Behold, <laughs> the years begin coming and do not cease from coming. Fed unto the axioms that I fell upon the earth and ran. It was not acceptable if not to live for the sake of pleasurable things. Your brain increases its wisdom, but your heart increases its stupidity. A great amount to do, a great amount to see. Therefore, there is no difficult problem if we take the streets of the backside. You will not know if you do not go. You will not shine if you do not glow. Behold, currently, you are entirely a star child. Begin your power. Go. Laugh. Behold, currently, you are ambassador of the music. Begin your singing. Acquire your wages. Please send that to me. I wish to print that out <laughs> on a motivational poster. <laughs> and look at it every time I'm a bit sad. Behold, currently, you are entirely a star child. Oh, uh, yes, I am. Oh, <laughs> Jesus what is your goofball comedy so, yeah, that you have I, gr- outgrown? Well, it's not so much a, a single film as it is a particular subgenre, and it's the sort of the, the 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 character comedy. And oh, the two main examples I can think of it as the first Ace Ventura, and to a degree yeah. the second one. Um, I know you have a soft spot for that, but I think 
a lot of the humor in it is is not quite as problematic as as the first one, but it's kind of of the same flavor. Yeah, I mean, I um, mostly admire it because it's a family film. It's a PG. They purposefully tone down the dark and noir stuff and make it a family film. Yeah, and yet there is a naked man clawing his way out of the rubber. That is a, that is a, a good gag. Like that's a good. It doesn't need to be any problematic stuff in there for that to be a good gag. That's that's just yeah. a good gag. Oh, that makes me. Um, it just makes me happy. It's in a kids' film. Yeah, an animated um, series spun out of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> the movie where a man climbs out of a robot rhinoceros's vagina. But I think um, naked and sweating. I think that Jim Carrey's in a lot of these. Yeah, yeah I, I see so where this like, is going. Dumb and Dumber. Things like that. Yeah. Me, myself, and Irene. Oh no, yeah. No, um, no. the cable guy. Uh, never been fond of it. Really. Um, I think I always thought it was it wasn't as bad as everyone let on, but that seems to be a thing that's happened since yeah. people have gone. Yeah. Why do we ever? Why do we all give it a hard rap? And it seems to be because it wasn't a Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. But it's uh, still the DNA's there, and also things like another big one is uh, Mike Myers doing Austin Powers, like that okay. spot in front. But it's that kind of thing where it's a the whole sort of film. <clears throat> it's a sketch stretched out into yeah. ninety minutes. Like, it's a sketch character, but they've made it into a film. And I think um, that again, it's that a lot of mine are comedy because it, my my feelings on comedy and my also my sensitivities to the targets of a lot of this comedy has changed. But mm. I used to love the first Austin Powers movies. By the time Goldmember came around, I'd kind of started to grow out, grow out of it. But now going back and thinking about it, I'm just like, yeah, I, I, that's garbage. It's all garbage. <laughs> and it is very much about the tone. And, the, and also, particularly in the Austin Powers example... The um, the sort of ego on display of I'm the leader of this film and I'm going to play all these characters in it. And Despite I'm gonna... the fact Dana Carvey should have played Doctor Evil because it was yes. his impre- it was his impression of Lord Michaels that Mike Myers was ripping off. So like so much so their friendship broke apart for about seven years. Yeah, like just... Garth and Wayne were no longer friends for like seven years because Wayne stole Garth's shtick. Because it's just. Well, then Dana Carvey made Master of Disguise, so he's got no good sense really at well, that point either. But um, he also made the Dana Carvey show, which if you can find it online, is fucking great. Mostly for very young Stephen Colbert's and Steve Carell. Oh yeah, because that's that's the the one with the sketch of the waiters disgusted by food. Yeah. From, which is one of the finest examples of, um, like Steve Carell just giving amazing non-verbal comedy, just. Just so good. <laughs> like just thinking of his facial expressions in that sketch is cracking me up. <laughs> it's just, it's just all, they're, all, they're do, all they're doing is reading out the specials and trying not to vomit, and it's just it's it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. But what you're saying is you wouldn't like, like that and would have outgrown it if it were a 90 yeah, minute movie yeah. about two waiters trying not to vomit. Even, even I kind of get what you pre- mean. I think Steve Carell did a couple of these, like things like the 40 year old virgin. And um, or it's like the whole sort of joke of the film is that the lead characters. If of... if the lead character could be summed up as a sketch, yeah, then you don't need to make them the star of a film. Some films avoid that brilliantly. I I am a proud advocate 
of the 1998, I want to say, movie Bean, the ultimate disaster movie. That's great. Because it, the, it's the, not about it, Mr. Bean. <laughs> also, why it works so well is Mr. Bean is silent. He's a silent film character, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's it's a it's it, it's a situational, uh, a sort of farce. Yeah. Centered around Peter McNichol's character. Yeah. And what happens in his life when he has to take take care of this guy who's there, like on the exchange trip for the American Gallery. Yeah. Like, what? It's a Mr. Bean movie. What should we do? Let's not make a Mr. Bean movie. Let's make a movie about something going horribly wrong, and Bean just happens to be in it, mm. and not helping the situation. But we, you know, he's not. The, the sentimental arc of the film doesn't rely on stretching out a 15-minute silent TV sketch character. Yeah. You, and and it work. works because of that. Yeah. But it also avoids um, the pitfall of... It's the, it's the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. It's better when Jack Sparrow's a side character <laughs> or one of the cast, yes. not when he's the main one. But yeah. it also avoids the pitfall that so many of these fall into, where it is a case of this sketch character, like so many sketch characters, has a catchphrase or quotable yeah. lines but like it's just the one for like everything everything austin powers austin powers is the worst for this um mm. a lot of like the stuff ben stiller did in in the in the in the early to still is still, like, still, is still a yeah. sore point for me I, and i, so, I kind of like, felt that at the time yeah zoolan i think he did i think tropic thunder was brilliant because it mm. was an ensemble, one of these. It was a mixing pot, a melting yeah. pot of these different and, talents, and yeah. also sort of poked fun at that sort of subgenre with mm. it, with. Oh, um, it was revisionist, yeah. In terms of like what that like Jack's black character, Jack uh, Jack Black's <laughs> character, yeah, uh, and his and his the, the character, the actor that he plays, like being famous for this sort of uh, this this. Um, Nutty Professor esque franchise, yeah. Uh, which again is another one of these, like all the, the stuff Nutty Eddie Professor. Murphy was doing with Nutty Professor and its sequels. Doctor Doolittle, Doctor Doolittle, Doctor Doolittle, not so much. Uh, Norbit, yeah. Was it? Was it? And um, the majority of the SNL films fall into this. Things like yeah. Gruber and and stuff like that. Yeah, um, but and it's that. But I think I think that. the only SNL one that escapes it is Wayne's World, based on your taste. And, but that's again because it's more yeah. just a love letter to rock music and that culture at the time. Yeah, because I think the problem with with a lot of these films that the reason that I don't like them is there's something mean spirited about a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Zoolander, uh, Anchorman is a big one. I never I got that. I never don't got it. Get, but it is I that kind of thing. It's, like, when... it's a sketch. They made a film mm. of a sketch. Yeah. And, I, and when just... I watched it, I was like, I just, I. I admire the performance. I, as a performer, I like watching the skill of these people bouncing off each other in clearly improvised stuff. Yeah. But, well, like, you I think that might your... also be because I spent, like, three pounds on it. Yeah. Like, rather than seeing it in the cinema and spending 18 quid to watch it on a screen. I, I paid three quid for it, like, six years after it came out and went, yeah, all right. Okay, sure. Anchorman 2, I think, is better. Because it sticks to a story and everything, and it isn't just. Well, I think the problem isn't with this those, hilarious. These aren't these people hilarious. They're both sort of like them in places. Improv heavy comedies, and they fall into the trap of like, what is funny for you and your fame, like famous mates, improv group, <laughs> yeah, isn't necessarily funny. funny for the audience. 
Yeah. It's, it's the problem that the 2016 Ghostbusters had. Where yeah. a lot of the actual really good moments in that film were smothered by not editing it and letting editing them play. Editing it down, yeah. Like, it, 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 if it had been tightened up, I think it would have been a lot better. But yeah. they, did, did, they just either... I think Paul turned the camera Paul, on and they riffed and yeah. then they went, oh that's funny oh do that again do that now instead yeah. oh that's really I funny Paul I'm just going to let you guys come up with whatever with those actresses and letting them do their thing that he just d- didn't sort of have the the awareness to... just the sort of ruthlessness <laughs> that you need as a as a as a, as as a, a director, as a director and as an to editor. be able to say okay yeah. well we need to pull that back because yeah. it's actually not serving the story as much as yeah. I like it it's not helping, and it's actually not that funny. Do the Will Ferrell comedies of the 2000s fall into this? I know obviously um, we mentioned Anchorman, but things like not um, seen Talladega Nights and 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 um, and uh, uh, oh, what was it called? The the ice skating one. I don't know. Uh, Blades of Glory. Blades of Glory. That's it. John Heder as well. Um, I've not seen a lot of them. Hmm. Um, think that's because you'd already outgrown it by that point. You were like, I can't be doing with this. Uh, yeah, I guess. Like that being said, I've seen Blades of Glory, and I think that's not, that's not too bad. Um, but again, because it's more of an art, like, it's it's less focusing on that one character, and it's got this sort of strange ensemble around them. Whereas things yeah. like things like Austin Powers, yeah, it's an ensemble, but. The two and main there's, characters. There's a lot, there's a lot of charming by... performances yeah. and gags, but like you said, it's the, the two same main characters dude. are Mike Myers, and then he plays three characters in, in the second yeah. one, well, for, for, and then four yeah, characters yeah. in the third and one. And it just it, and it just collapses under this sort of this sketch stretched out thing. Um, the 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 other ones, uh, like your Age Ventura, is it? They just tend to be fo- solely focused on that one character who seems to exist in a different world to all the other characters. Whereas, yeah, like thing like that Blade of Glory. Everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. the villains is uh, Amy Poehler and Will Arnett. As their sort yeah. of, like, slightly creepy uh, figure skating duo. And John Heder and uh, uh, Will Ferrell bounce off each other quite nicely. <clears throat> but, so I, I think that's. And I, I, again, I haven't seen a lot of the other stuff. Like, I haven't seen Talladega Nights. Uh, um, but I think that. It's possible that the sort of more ensemble nature uh, that you get with things like Tropic Thunder, Blades of Glory, etc., etc., kind of offset a lot of the things I don't like about the character comedies. But that being said, a lot of that humour still isn't funny to me. But yeah. it's not as sort of egregious. It, it's not the bull in the china shop. Yeah, it's of, not of as the just others, yeah. sort of... Just obnoxious as a lot of the other, other stuff that I've seen. On a dare... Will you watch Holmes and Watson? Only... Which is ba- which is basically that, but it's it's Feral and John C. Riley are both just like I... fucking idiots for no reason, and everyone else around them isn't an idiot, and that's the premise of the movie. For some I way. will watch Holmes <laughs> and Watson in two situations. Okay, one we. <laughs> together and we get very drunk and we do a commentary oh my god or two we are together and we get very drunk and we stream it maybe it's the pandemic and the lockdowns talking but i want nothing more yeah 
<laughs> if that was to happen, I would watch one. With, with you and a lot of alcohol by my side... <laughs> and the opportunity to riff on it for other people's entertainment, I would quite gladly watch Holmes and Watson. Okay. Um, well, that could be our benchmark when I we think, get out I of think, lockdowns and we're both I like either Ferrell, vaccinated or safe to be around each other. Will Ferrell is a lesser sort of offender <laughs> on this sort of character comedy subgenre because he has a lot of other actors around him. Yeah, but I think so your worst ones are your Mike Myers and your Jim Carrey's, where they. It's and very Murphy's. much about and Eddie Murphy, where it's Can't very get much away with about Morbid. them. Like it's so much about them, mm. um, and it is that sort of the ego and the cynicism and the mean spiritedness that is sort of in those scripts is just sort of I, it's something that I've recognised more as I've got older, and I, it sounds like I've become a bit of a stick in the mud as I've got older. And I guess I kind of have because you know life is fucking awful right now. Um, uh, society's fucking awful right now, but it just... you all, you also get older and you forgive less. Like yeah. you, you you're less forgiving over well, things that you, are like you... are are like either harmful yeah. or contribute to things being more harmful. You forgive more mm-hmm. in allowing people to sort of be, you know, themselves more, but you forgive less in terms of being able to recognize and shout out. Uh, intolerance and mm. um, like punching down humor. I've got one more for after this. If you've got one more that I really, I've got. Go I've to. absolutely got one more. All right, you do yours, and then I've got another big one. Okay, so my my final example is this is something that like I I used to go to bat for a lot, and I've just kind of outgrown it, probably because it's outlived its usefulness entirely now. Yeah, okay. Because I've seen I've seen it done better so much better that i go yeah what and i'll always have a soft spot for it i'll always have a soft spot for its soundtrack and in particular two of its performances but the movie that i have outgrown is 2003's superhero uh action adventure romance film daredevil it was kind of my proper introduction to the character okay. of Daredevil. I, I think it was for a lot of people because he wasn't. Yeah. He's never an A-list Marvel character. He popped up in a couple Spidey books, but I never really got the gist. And yeah. then Spider-Man comes out in 2002, riding off the back of Blade and X-Men and creating the beginning of the superhero movie boom. Suddenly, everything that Fox and Sony and, and co own, they're like, right, quick, make films of it, let's go. Warner Brothers like, we've not done a Superman in forever. I mean, we've been trying to do a Superman for ages, but like, uh, just put one together. And oh, we'll, we'll get that Batman reboot going on, the, on you know, that we've been toying with and la 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 la. And it's all down to Blade warming it all up, X Men keeping the door open, and then Spider Man knocking the fucking door down. Mm. Um, uh, we have a lot to thank Spider Man for. I revisited it last week and it was just, it was delicious. It's um, very good. It's so good. But Daredevil was 2003's effort from Fox. Uh, two of the Fox movies in 2003, because the other one was X2, X-Men United, um, or X-Men 2, if you're nasty. Um, <laughs> and Daredevil is... Oh, Jesus. It's not good. There is a good film in there. There absolutely is. And and I, again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The director's cut does a lot to make up for the version that came out theatrically. The director's cut... Um, the theatrical version is 103 minutes uh and the director's cut 
is much fucking longer than that. <laughs> it's longer by about half an hour, just over half an hour. It's a good chunk of uh, stuff in there, yeah. Reintroducing subplots, mostly one to do with Matt Murdock's actual job as a lawyer and, and how one of the cases that he and fucking Nelson are dealing with uh, leads into the main plot and, and mm. the steady reveal of, of Wilson Fisk as the kingpin of crime. Like it does, they they get rid of the sex scene, so the whole thing with Electra feels more like it's a love that they would never know. They finally each met somebody who they connected with, and they didn't even get to kind of be romantic, be intimate by the time her life is taken in the, in the third act, and it just sort of adds a bit more poignancy to it in the director's cut. Whereas in the film, it's like we're hot, we bang, she die, I am devastated, and it's like you literally just met her. You had sex and then she died. Oh no, I die. She die. I do a sad. Whereas in director's cut, it's like you two are really starting to bond. Have you actually managed to find someone you can let your guard down around? Oh no, she died. Now we'll never know. And it's like there's more to it. Um, but we gotta get the sex scene in the film. Gotta get the sex scene in the film. Because uh, they've got to have a they've got to have a Batman Returns moment where their their hands are on each other's body and they're feeling each other's scars. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, mm. Why? <laughs> like she's not a crime. Electra's not a crime fighter in this. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, there is stuff about it I love. There genuinely is. I think I think John Favreau's a really fun Foggy Nelson. Um, and he brings out the better performance in Affleck in the scenes where it's just Matt and Foggy like yeah. talking to each other. Um, Michael Clark Duncan is a fantastic kingpin. Yeah, phenomenal. He's phenomenal. really good as the kingpin. <clears throat> like he's he's he's. Kingpin, Kingpin's like my joint favourite Marvel... Well, Spidey's my boy, so my favourite Marvel villains always tend to lean towards Spider-Man characters. And for me, it's Kingpin and Green Goblin, like the two that I'm like, oh, I love them. I love those characters. And I love the Kingpin. And I hated the Kingpin of the 90s animated Spider-Man series because the voice was good, but it, it was just this weird... It was just too pompous. I was like, nah, he's got... He's got to be the coolest motherfucker. Like, either because people are... Inti- like, either he's so stony that people are intimidated by him, or that he's so on his shit that everyone can't help but kind of respect him. Do you know what I mean? There's there's a, there's a hustle element to the Kingpin. I never like it when the Kingpin is in charge of everything in New York. Mm. I like it when he's, there's still some territory to cover because it shows how dangerous he is. That He's like, I've got this. It'll be mine. And you're like, God, he's... Wow, okay, he's intimidating. And Michael Clark Duncan plays it like... <laughs> The, the sort of coolest fucking cucumber you could ever have. The, that reveal shot of him, the camera just pans up and he's just smoking the fattest cigar you've ever seen in your <laughs> life. And it's just like, you look so fucking cool. Um, he reprised the role briefly in the, the MTV Spider-Man animated series and it was like, oh, this is so much better now because it's him voicing him. This is great. He's fantastic. Um... Uh, uh, Joe Joe um, Pantoliano as as Ben Urich is really fun casting. He plays yeah. it really well. Um, but obviously, the goddamn credits got to go to Colin Farrell as Bullseye. Oh. Who, like, everyone was just like, oh, what's he doing? He's just over the top. It's like, have you ever read a comic with Bullseye in it? <laughs> but Bullseye, like, whenever you know, people always draw parallels and and you know correlations with with the, between the big two, and they always sort of go, like, oh, the Green Goblin's kind of Marvel's Joker, and I'm like, no, he fucking isn't. Bullseye's Marvel's Joker. <laughs> He's terrifying. He loves what he does. He absolutely adores what he's doing. 
Like, yeah, other villains take glee in it. That guy laughs and cackles. Sure, Bullseye is terrifying, and you should never play him reserved. And Colin Farrell does not play him reserved at all. He's maybe pushing it a little too overboard, but as a result, it means he's one of the best things in the film. Like, with this weird little sort of rubbing his little his branding on his forehead, the shape of a bullseye. Like, bullseye. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? But at the same time, I'm glad you're doing it because I remember you. What but are you I doing, Colin? I remember you. I'm just having a great time. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I'm just oh, having the, a good time. The, the, recre- the panel for panel recreation of the death of Electra. It's phenomenally recaptured. Like, there's stuff to love in there. Hmm. But it's edgelordy. Yeah, it's it it wants to be have the success of Spider Man, but it wants to be as violent as Blade. Yet it's not allowed to be, but it's trying so fucking hard to be. Jennifer Garner is a wonderful performer. She is miscast as fuck in this movie as Electra Nachios. Ben Affleck can give a fucking great performance. He is miscast as fuck in this movie. Um, the costume is still in that weird period. Where it's it's trying to not be too comic booky, yeah. So it's like a it's like a biker's leather jacket yeah. and and pants with knee pads and and just there's so many odd odd choices about it. It it didn't get a hugely brilliant reception at the time. It was it was sort of you know it, it seemed to be like very it was like a three star across the board thing at the time. Everyone was like, yeah, it's cool. It's a lot of fun. But it was never like Spider-Man reception, you know what I mean? And and, and quite rightly so, because it wasn't great. I used to go to bat to this film a lot. Thing is, since this film's come out, we've had the Netflix adaptation. Yeah. If the Netflix adaptation is like... (laughs) If the Netflix adaptation is The Empire Strikes Back. The 2003 movie is Turkish Star Wars. <laughs> it's memorable. And there's an odd, like, commendability to some of it. But in comparison, it's mostly, the fuck is this? Mm. That's not that thing. What is wrong with you? So, as I said at the start of this, you don't have to, you don't have to, like, do a complete heel on the stuff you've outgrown. Because I still have a soft spot for this movie, but yeah, I won't be, I won't be pushing for it or arguing its case anytime soon ever again. Because I've been shown how it can be done better and cheaper. Yeah, and all it took was a a, a bandana over Charlie Cox's face <laughs> and D'Onofrio inventing the greatest Netflix drinking game of them all. I call it take a shot for this city um i mean you'll die but what a way to go and when he says i am the alien tent you have to down whatever you're drinking oh D'Onofrio's so good in that he's so good in that you mentioned you're talking about david ellis just made me want to watch the netflix series again i've still not watched season three so that's an excuse you've not watched season three oh mate he's really good uh, chronologically i'll be honest the defenders kind of made me go huh as we talked about at the time it was like yeah, yeah no, was, I get you uh, and it deflated me and it took me a while to get around to jessica jones season two which i watched and mm. really enjoyed so my plan now is luke cage season two 
uh, Daredevil season three, and I need to watch Punisher season two, and maybe one day I'll stick Iron Fist on in the background and watch all. all uh, that, I don't know. Uh, so, Daredevil series three is the best one out of those ones I've heard. Uh, yeah, but like Luke, Luke Cage series two doesn't have the same um for series one. No, there's some good stuff. Iron in there. Fist two is quite... better than Iron Fist one. Yeah, uh, Jessica Jones three is good, but like doesn't really take it any higher. I just kind really of... liked it. Yeah, and Punisher series two, I've I've sort of not read anything into, but I I, I adored also... is the adored is the wrong word. I I'm so glad for series one because it was a fucking journey. Like mm. it was uncomfortable and compelling. And, I liked um, the second one quite a lot. Of Punisher. Mm. Okay, because yeah. again, something I loved about that was it. I, I used to think the Thomas Jane movie was thinking it's got its mo- it's got its moments. I think the uh, the Ray Stevenson one's got its moments. It's fun. It's very comic booky. Yeah, ultra violent. Very silly. Like but, I like it quite a lot, but it's very silly. But the older I've got, the more I'm into the idea of Punisher being a cautionary tale, and the Netflix show is absolutely more. Yeah, I think the, se- the second that. season I think leans even more into that. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think I think we should. Pro- Maybe put aside on the project for some far off future, is mm. sort of revisiting all the Netflix shows because I've not watched Iron Fist season two. I barely made it through season one. Like, <laughs> I think medically they recommend you don't go beyond season one. <laughs> it was some of the most disappointing shit I've ever seen. Just speaking of, what is the last thing <laughs> you outgrew and ain't afraid to admit it, Mayhew? Something that I. Loved when it first appeared. Yeah. Something that I have sort of revisited over the years and mostly found, you know, Wanting. pretty, 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 <laughs> pretty, 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 no, no, pretty, um, pretty pleasing. Okay. But in the last sort of, <clears throat> sort of three or four years, as I've become more and more. Like even more and more liberal lefty, bleeding heart, and sort of more and more conscious. I think that'll of... be a massive surprise to so many of our listeners. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and as I sort of become more conscious of the sort of the harm that can be done, yeah, by something as seemingly innocuous as comedy, and the responsibility that you have as a consumer, a maker of such things, and a consumer of such things to sort mm. of treat certain subjects with some sort of um, not reverence, but respect. Yeah. Something that I... Something that I used to love, but I can't really in all in all good conscience engage with anymore, on any level, really. South Park. I figured that out about halfway through the setup. I was like, he's he's gonna he's he's going on down to South Park and he's already had himself a time. Yeah. There were like, friendly faces everywhere, but those humble folks are absolutely with yeah. temptation. I couldn't make it through <laughs> Stick of Truth. See, I'm I'm and weird. I think I'm disconnected enough from the show that I've enjoyed the two video games immensely. The, the stuff, the, uh, for, for me, they're their own little separate bubble. And I because Keats like, played through Fractured But Whole, which is where I sort how I sort of experienced it. And I don't think anything in what I saw of her play made me even so much a smile. Oh. Like it ju- it's just completely lost me. 
the humor where, that they're playing with is just sort of. I, I can't. It just doesn't hit me the same way it used to, and it and it. And it are, are you are you based on what you said in the setup? Is it because you look at the size of their platform, you look at where they clearly kind of stand, at least as creators, yes, we and the fact that they're using their platform to be so painfully centrist. At yeah. a time when that's not really the best or even, way to go. Or even it's like like the sort of the way that they've come down and commented on a lot of the trans right stuff has just been really disappointing. Oh really? Oh shit. Yeah, and things okay. like they did a whole thing with uh, about women when there was that whole thing about trans women participating in women's sports and being allowed to do that. They did a whole quote-unquote joke where they're introducing this female athlete and it's um like basically so that it's it this female athlete who's transitioned but they're basically drawn and voiced like macho man randy savage oh shit and it's just like okay okay, fine we're doing this aren't we and like god they they really mock woke culture in like in some ways, that's kind of funny at, at first, but then they've kept the character like PC principal. They've kept. Him I was going to say, is that the character that? Yeah, and yeah. and it's just a lot of his stuff kind of falls flat. The fact that he gets into a relationship with like a strong independent, a strong independent woman who is literally called strong woman, like that's her name. Oh, okay. And I'm just like, uh... I I I'm very much, I'm very much a believer that if your comedy is like oh we're going for everybody then sure fine and I, and I, that's I, cool I but guess but that they kind of when are, there but... are when when you're just punching down or you're punching down at people who right now really don't need yeah. that like you know it, but it's, it goes back to the mock, kind of mock everyone but if you're gonna put some of those people as your focus maybe punch up i think maybe punch up at people who deserve to be raked over the coals and i, I think they kind of do but it's unequal <laughs> it is unequal and also it's kind of the, the sort of their seeming uh never seemingly never-ending quest to be as offensive as possible just comes across as kind of edgelordy and calculated and not sincere and i mm. guess it's because it's because it become and it's not like i don't like master and trey packer's work Again, I, I, I feel their like, non-South Park work in the last 10 years has been the stuff that I've actually followed. Yeah, I think Book of like, Mormon's brilliant. Book of Mormon. Um, um, Sassy Justice, a recent project of theirs. Like, uh, the, not the, the across that, thing. So. It's, it's, um, it's on YouTube. I think there's two of them now, but it, it was pitched as a series. It didn't get picked up. It's them and that guy who's, who recently got notified. You did the Tom, Tom Cruise deep fakes. Like, he oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it's, it's co-written and starring Peter Serafinowicz. And it's... it's it's basically just uh, a local TV cable network's like guy uncovering conspiracies, and his name is Fred Justice. This is Sassy Justice. But the novelty of it is that it's stupid already. But every single character in it is a deep fake use of a face of a key figure, a polit- politician or celebrity. Okay. So it's just this weird disarming thing. It's about a guy trying to uncover identity fraud, whilst at the same time he looks like Donald Trump. It's it's it, do you know it's this yeah. It's just this odd little project that I think it not becoming a TV series and it instead being this thing they're going to do on YouTube from time to time 
is actually a better version of it than it would have been if it had been like a series or a film. Yeah. Um, and and you get Book of Mormon. I'm detached enough from the show that I the the two South Park games didn't bother me as much, but I saw because I've never I've never really that... followed I've never really followed the show. I've just sort of it's not necessarily caught an episode once that in a they while. bothered me. It's just that I just didn't laugh. Yeah. I, I, it just it just wasn't funny. And that was as someone who who, who like started watching the show when it first aired. Well, that's the thing too. Do you think it. it's the it's same like, thing as the as the teen comedies? Because it, it was right in the sweet spot for you when yeah. you were younger. You you were of that age where you were still too young to be watching it. Yeah. But all the cool kids had stayed up late to watch it. And it's just like I. I, I, that might that might be news to some of our younger listeners. South Park used to be the thing yeah. that cool kids stayed up late to watch. It was disappointing, is what it was. Like I'm disappointed. I'm, it's disappointed me. Mm. Like it's it's when you because it's not something I was always on top of. It's something I would go back to every now and again. Yeah, I mean, I still think the film works in, it's on been, its own. For example, well, we like, watched I the film the together a couple of years back. Yeah, and I think most of that stuff still works. Hmm. Especially because it's more, it's more just their take on the musical and, and and the outrage response to the show in its first five years. Yeah, like it was, it was a com- well first couple of years actually, wasn't it? It was like it was like two years into the the show's run, the film came out. I think for me, it's definitely because the lines on a lot of like social issues have been drawn, and they're kind of. Dancing on either side at all times. Yeah, it's not like it's not even that they're refusing to take sides. They're just, they're just so. It is. It is very edge lordy. It's like, oh, look at how offensive I can. We can be. They're like if the radio stations on a Grand Theft Auto game ran for twenty five seasons of television. Yeah, it's just like. I, really? I think it's also because of the age of the creators. Like, I yeah. think they're so disconnected now. Yeah, from what the wider culture is, that they don't necessarily have that sort of connection to it that they did when they first started doing the show. And I it'd just be, think the comedy has suffered. It'd be interesting to see what the 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 offices for that show are like, like what the writers' room is like, like the people involved, because it's possible there just isn't a diverse enough range of voices working behind it. That everyone would kind of be more aware of each other, and everyone's different, like like different struggles in the day to day that don't deserve to be the the thing they punch. And also because like, I don't know if the turn if it still is, but the turnaround was so quick between episodes, mm, like yeah. infamously so. That I just don't if, think if that you go the... back and watch seasons, there's in jokes yeah. and, and 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 allegories that make no sense unless you remember what the news cycle was between the months of June and November of 2012. and But it's not even that. It's that they don't... Because it's like a seven-day-to-air turnaround, mm. I think that there's just not the space for them to look at what they're writing, look at what they've yeah. recorded and go, oh, maybe, we, maybe we shouldn't do this. And if there is, I don't think they have that self-awareness because I just mm. think... They are less concerned with how the stuff's going to land and more concerned with do they think it's funny and it's going to annoy people. Which yeah. I, I get, but 
There's a there's a way there's a way to make comedy that softly trolls your your audience and whatnot that also isn't harmful to your audience. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it's I mean, great. It's Christ, Christ sake, back in the day, like you know, Monty Python's Flying Circus, for example. There's an infamous episode that when it went out live, the sound mix on the episode had been edited so that it went quieter and quieter over the course of the 22 minutes, uh, the 29 minutes. <laughs> so, pe- so people would in like you know 1973 when it aired, people would be getting up and turning their TV up a bit because they're like, it's <laughs> quiet in it. And then in the last two minutes, the volume just returns to normal level. <laughs> So people's TVs were just super loud all of a sudden out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, that's actually brilliant. That's do you see what I mean? Like, but that's trolling without harming anyone. Yeah. It's just funny. It's like, oh, for you bastards, you got me. And it's it's you know it it it's 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 taking the piss without there being a victim. Yeah. And maybe and it, maybe and it, it's time that stuff like South Park kind of went. But it's just sort of this went that way instead. Look at us, we're so offensive. We offend everyone. Ah. And it just doesn't work for me anymore, not in the way it used to. Mainly because that that is not something that I hold as a as a badge of pride anymore. How about you, listeners? We're curious. Is there anything you've outgrown? Any show, film, music that you outgrew? Whether it's just because you moved on in terms of your taste or whether because, like, South Park, for example, you're like, Shit in hell, guys. The fuck are you doing? I think a fair part of my people have outgrown this show, but we won't know because they won't hear this uh, this plea for for getting in touch. In Madwes. If you've got a thought, let us know. BigDamnContact at gmail.com. You can also tweet them to us at BigDamnCast. If you get them to us a couple days after the, within a couple days after the release of this, might even talk about it in that next episode. Yeah. Who knows? Do you know what else we'll be talking about in that next episode? Falcon and the Mother Mocking Winter Soldier. Oh yes, boy. Episode Juan. You know what else we'll be talking about? Oh, what, what, what? My experience with the COVID nineteen vaccine because I'm getting my jab on the on the Saturday. Dude, what? I don't know why. Because Did you get a letter or like, I got what? a text. Uh, Holy shit! But I I was asked to book it, so I've booked my first COVID nineteen vaccine jab. Again, I don't know what made me so eligible. But it's because you said you're go. 70 on all your census forms for a laugh. Hey, I gave them my date of birth. <laughs> I may have switched some of the numbers around and I may have been using a cane for no reason when I did it, but I, I did it. <laughs> so, yeah. I may have told them that I'm allergic to all things except death. If I, have, they, uh... <laughs> if I have any side effects, you'll hear about them on the next episode. <laughs> oh, God. Because I, I may still be experiencing them. You can also catch Matt pre post and mid vaccine on twitch.tv slash big dab stream pre pre vaccine certainly <laughs> for adventures in backlogging yeah um we will also uh appreciate it if you chuck us a few shekels because it helps keep the lights on and fill us with booze we've not mm. used it to buy booze yet but we could patreon.com slash big cast but until next time uh Quick, think of an intro or an outro or uh, say something profound. We don't all know that. <laughs>